I saw something on social media a couple of weeks ago that caught my interest. I found it incredibly fascinating. It's a, uh, about a professional golfer named Max Homa, who's uh, a very, very good golfer and won a prestigious tournament in the past year. And, and um, he was interacting with one of his followers and one of his fans who, who on Twitter reached out to Max Homa and, and said, day one of asking Max Homa to play a round of golf with me. Some random Twitter follower for a professional golfer, very good professional golfer, certainly expecting no response. But Max Homa retweeted it with a comment of, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm busy that day. <laughs> and then the next day, the guy said, day two of tweeting at Max Homa to play a round of golf with me. And Max Homa responded again. He's like, yeah, you know, basically just kind of making fun of the guy. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be busy that day or whatever. Day three of tweeting at Max Homa to play around the golf with me. The next day, day four, day five, day six, the guy went 25 straight days tweeting at Max Homa to play around the golf with him. And on the 25th day, this is what Max Homa responded with. He said, quote, all right, man, can't believe you made it this far, but 25 is my favorite number, so you win. <laughs> For real this time, I'm astounded by your persistence. It's admirable and a bit weird, but let's play golf when the season slows down. He said, I'll direct message you and set it up. I'm truly out of excuses at this point. And, and this random guy from nowhere America is gonna play a round of golf with like his favorite golfer, all because of his persistence. <laughs> Finally, Max Homa's like, dude, you win. I mean, I cannot believe every single day you're tweeting at me. It's clearly never going to end until I cave. And so he's like, hey, man, you, you win. And I love the statement. He said, I'm, a, I'm astounded by your persistence. You know, persistence often pays off. There's much to be said about persistence, especially in a culture like ours that is so driven by the immediate we're accustomed to having everything so quickly and so conveniently. And it's a very, very difficult thing to navigate seasons where endurance and even persistence are required. But you know, Jesus talked about the importance of persistence, specifically as it relates to our communication with our Heavenly Father. We've been in a teaching series on the parables of Jesus. And today I want us to think about the importance of persistence, specifically as it relates to our communication with our heavenly father. Let me give you a principle here. And then I wanna take you to a, a chapter in God's word where Jesus talks about this. But the principle that we're gonna see guiding us throughout this entire parable is simply this, that God moves through the persistent prayers of his people. Now, this is a powerful truth. We're gonna see the power of this truth through the teaching of Jesus here. But I, I want you to understand from the outset that God moves mightily through the persistence and specifically the persistent prayers of his people. If you have a copy of God's word with you, go with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke 11, you'll find the gospel of Luke in the New Testament, the 
third book of the New Testament, and you go to chapter 11, you're going to find here some teaching about prayer from Jesus himself. And we're going to see that this teaching surfaces primarily because of the example of Jesus. It's interesting that Jesus, as the Son of God, spent considerable time in prayer. Clearly not because he had any failures or faults, not because he had any weaknesses or deficiencies, but we find in Jesus the kind of relationship with God the Father that prompted him to pray continuously and even persistently. And so Jesus had a pattern of praying throughout his life and throughout his ministry. And if you look at verse one of Luke 11, you will see Luke telling us that at one point in time, Jesus was in a place praying. And as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Again, it was the example of Jesus that prompted the conversation. Jesus was a man who prayed regularly. He prayed consistently. He prayed persistently. And so the disciples are noticing this pattern in Jesus. They're noticing that Jesus would withdraw from the disciples and from the crowds, and he would spend time in prayer. And so on one particular day, the apostles come to him. They, 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 they ask, one of them does, to, of Jesus, hey, can you teach us to pray? Clearly this is important. Clearly this matters. Clearly this is a big deal. but we need to know how to do it. And it's, it's a really good and a timely word for us. Because I don't know anyone that says, yeah, my prayer life is exactly where it needs to be all of the time. <laughs> so can I just relieve the tension in the room today? Almost all of us are falling short of where we need to be here. It's okay. I, uh, that's why Jesus gave us this word, all right? Many of us see prayer like we see going to the dentist. You ever go, you know, and then, of course, they always ask you, now, are you flossing regularly? And my answer to that is absolutely. I have flossed nonstop for the past 12 hours. No doubt, you right? I mean, like... I floss when there's typically a need to floss, which is why my gums are bleeding like a river when I get my teeth cleaned, right? It's obvious. I mean, I, I just started telling the truth. Honestly, I flossed last night because I knew I was coming to see you. <laughs> and sometimes we see prayer that way. We see it like, you know what? It's, it's something I employ when I need it. It's, it's something that is there for me in a crisis. But today, I just want to encourage you, not scold or rebuke. Listen, we're all in this together. <laughs> Probably every single one of us is like, oh, man, yeah, this is an area where I can, I can learn and I can grow. And, and maybe you're like the disciples here saying, Jesus, can you just teach me a little bit more how to pray? And, and thankfully, we have a Savior who is sympathetic, a Savior who is loving and gracious, and he's going to give us a good word on this so we can all grow. And I, and I hope make some strides together because God works mightily through the persistent prayers of his people. And so Jesus says, absolutely. Yeah, let me, let me show you how you should pray. And, and he begins, and Luke gives us a section here of what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Here's what he says. He says, Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and do not let us yield into temptation. Here we have the foundation of what we know 
as the Lord's Prayer. But I, 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 I want to I give you a few takeaways here, not just from the Lord's Prayer, but really from, from what comes next in terms of a parable that's strategic in terms of how to pray. And, and, and I want to see a few things here. Primarily what Jesus begins with at the beginning of this example. And notice he begins with a, a shift in how we relate to God from those who came through the Old Testament era. Because Jesus here begins by saying, here's how you pray. You, you reach out to your God as your father. And what a blessing that is. He says you reach out to God, not just as the one true and living God and the sovereign God who's the maker of heaven and earth. He says, no, you reach out to him as your father, as your Abba, the word Abba, the, 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 the tender, sweet word of father or daddy. It's, it's, it's something that should lead us to amazement that the God of this universe welcomes us into his family to the extent that he sees us and relates to us as his children whom he loves unconditionally. And we relate to him as our father who loves us supremely. Jesus says you begin by reaching out to, calling out to your father. God is our father through the mediation of Jesus and the presence and the intercession of the spirit. You see all members of the Trinity are working together in our prayer lives. We have a father that we should run to freely and lovingly and enthusiastically because we have a savior, the son, who has mediated the relationship and has paid the price for our sin debt, has brought the father and us together through the incurring of the wrath of God on our behalf in our place for our sin. And so Jesus brings us together and then the, the Holy Spirit who lives within us is, is interceding on our behalf. And, and the scripture says, even, even interpreting what we say, what we feel, what we express to the father so that he hears and he answers. In other words, you have through the father, son, and Holy Spirit, direct access to the sovereign God of heaven and earth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He is your father. If you've, if you've come to him for forgiveness, if you've committed to follow him all the days of your life through repentance of your sin and faith in Jesus, listen, then he's given you the indwelling spirit and you go to him as your father. That should encourage you. You don't go to him as a distant God. You don't go to him as a God that you should fear in terms of you're afraid to approach him. Listen, no, you go to him as your father. This is huge how you approach him. Listen, if we got home from church today and one of my kids came and said, oh, most high reverend and pastor and doctor and leader of our home, would you be so kind as to bequeath to us a meal that we might nourish our needy bodies and navigate the day? I'd say, shut up, let's go over to Panera. You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about, right? Like, you're my children. Like, you know, you don't call me pastor or reverend or doctor unless I'm mad at you, but <laughs> you call me Dad, 
right? I never thought, this is just, I grew up in the North, so daddy wasn't a thing for me. And I, I, I have one brother, there are no girls in my house. So we always just call our father dad, you know, and still do to this day. And it's awesome. And I thought, no, you know, I mean, I'm going to be dad. That's what my kids are going to call me. And then my firstborn is a girl. And when the words daddy came out of her mouth, I thought, I don't want to be called anything else. <laughs> you know, ever. I don't ever want to be called anything else, you know. Now, her future husband can call me doctor and <laughs> emperor and whatever, you know, some, whatever. I got, I got a few ideas there, but is there any more, anything more precious than daddy? And I just want you to understand when Jesus, and this is familiar to many of us, but when Jesus like said to his disciple, like, okay, how do we pray? And Jesus begins by saying, you, you begin with a change of mentality. You come to God, not as this Old Testament, you know, many people have this idea of the Old Testament God as this God who's not loving and gracious, but he is. But I'm just saying, like, no, he, you, you come to him. This is what Jesus is introducing in terms of his ministry. You come to him as your father. He's your father. I love the scriptures teach here. Psalm 103 and verse 13, check this out. The Lord, this is the Old Testament. Well, again, this is it's the same God throughout human history. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. So, so he, 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 here's, here's, what, here's what I want you to understand today, okay? This is huge. Prayerlessness is primarily a theological issue. It's not primarily about time management or scheduling or self-discipline or work or kids or school or laziness or fatigue. Listen to me. Prayerlessness that most of us struggle with is primarily a theological issue. Let, let me tell you what I mean by that. Our view of God is too small and our view of ourselves is too big. If we really saw God for who he is in his power and his splendor and his majesty, in his love and care and concern, then we would pray more and depend upon ourselves less. Prayerlessness is primarily a theological issue, which is the reason before Jesus gets to the parable about prayer, he starts with a foundational outline of how to pray, and that begins by coming to God on the right terms. And so let me give you a few takeaways here as we navigate both this foundational teaching and then the parable together. First of all, I encourage you to take this down. Listen, a big view of God eliminates a small view of prayer. If you're looking at your life today and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I communicate with my father way too little. I'm way too reliant upon myself. I carry the stress and the burden of leadership. I, I, I carry the weight of, of what I'm facing right now all on my own. If, if, you're just, if you're just like most of us and you're like, yeah, I'm doing this too much on my own. I'm not relying enough on my father. Then listen, here's how you move the needle. You've got to develop a larger view of God and a smaller view of yourself. Prayerlessness is a theological issue primarily. Pride is our primary obstacle to prayer. More than our busyness, more than our laziness, more than the distractions of kids and work and school. No, pride. 
And the way we overcome a small view of prayer is to cultivate an accurate, meaningful, big view of God. I want you to know your God is supremely sovereign over all things. He is in control of all things. He is navigating and working all the circumstances of life to a rightful outcome where his justice and righteousness will be on full display, where his children will be comforted and encouraged by his presence. And he loves you. He cares for you. He's given his son for you. For you, your God is on his throne and he is for you, right? This is the power of your God. You don't have to be fearful in going to him. You don't have to feel like, oh man, it's been too long and he's gonna, no, he already knows. I wanna encourage you today to recapture the beauty of God the majesty, the wonder of God. Can I just share a few references with you? Listen, Psalm 24, check this out. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle. Psalm 97, the Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. Dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire spreads ahead of him burns up all of his foes. His lightning flashes out across the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. Psalm 115, our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he wishes. Psalm 135, I know the greatness of the Lord, that our Lord is greater than any other God. The Lord does whatever he pleases throughout all heaven and earth and on the seas and in their depths. Psalm 103, the Lord has made the heavens his throne and from there he rules over everything. Jeremiah 32, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? No. He is the Lord. He is our God. He is our King. He is our Father. And he is infinitely Glorious, majestic, and also loving and gracious and kind and welcoming to his children. Are you struggling with communicating with God? Well, let me encourage you to see that a big view of God will eliminate a small view of prayer to contemplate afresh and anew truly the glory and the majesty of your God. Listen to me, so often we think too small, we believe too little, and as a result, our prayer lives are anemic instead of expectant. It reminds me of Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well. Do you remember Jesus asking her for a drink and she's like, whoa, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. We don't talk to each other. And she's like, ah, I don't, like, you must be out of your mind. Like, what are you talking about asking me for something? And do you remember what Jesus said to her? I love this. He says, "Um, pardon me, if you knew who's asking you for a drink, you would be asking me for living water. I think a lot of times we're like that Samaritan woman. 
Here Jesus is teaching us to reach out to our God as our Father. And I almost feel like Jesus is saying, if you knew who'd given you this invitation, you would be asking him for way more than you're currently asking him. If you knew who's given you an invitation to communicate with him day and night consistently about all of the details in your life and your fears and your concerns and your sins and, and, and your fears and, and, and to praise him for his blessings and his faithfulness and his kindness. If you knew who had given you this invitation, you would be asking for a whole lot more. <laughs> but our view of our strength and our endurance and our wisdom and our knowledge and our abilities is way too big. <laughs> and our view of God so often too small. And so, and so hear me, Jesus begins this model prayer. I'm just focused on the first part of this with Father. May your name be kept holy and may your kingdom come quickly, right? And so, so here's the thing. We think about prayer today, a big view of God, eliminate small view of prayer. Secondly, make a note of this. This is gonna sound super controversial, so I'm kind of excited about it. All right. <laughs> Check this out. Because I just need more controversy in my life. And so, <laughs> so write this down, but listen to me. Let, me. let me explain. There is no power in prayer, but there is great power in God. Now, some of you are about to brand me a heretic. So let me explain. There is no power in prayer. Do you realize there'll be millions of people praying today to a God that is no God? Do you realize there are millions of people calling out to gods who are not gods every single day? Praying, wailing, Calling, no one will answer. There's no power in prayer. I'm mindful of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Yeah, call out to your false gods. Let's see what happens. Call out to them. Go ahead, pray to them. Nothing happened. It's kind of like your kids giving you a Christmas list, you know, at the end of the year. You know, your, your kids give you a list. Hey, hey, mom, hey, dad, this is what I want for Christmas. You, you realize there's, there's no power in that list if not for a parent or a loved one to have the ability to provide the request. I came across a guy, uh, A. Johnson's, his handle on Twitter. And, and uh, last year, he, he, he said this, my 10-year-old daughter must be out of her mind with this Christmas list. Let me show you a picture. This is literally the Christmas list that his daughter, 11 years old, gave on. It's hard to see. Let me, let me here's, here's the Christmas list. iPhone 11, AirPods, a new MacBook Air, a real bunny, clothes, makeup, pink Puma shoes, Gucci slides, Chanel purse, perfume, American Girl doll car, a GoPro, clothes for the bunny, and $4,000 cash. So he took her list and put it on social media and said, my daughter is out of her mind. 
And it got tens of thousands of like retweets. You know why? Because those of us who are parents know that girl is out of her mind. I just want to say to my kids, right? You can ask for that stuff all Gucci slides. I know a place in New York City, I can go and get you some of those Gucci slides for about 20 bucks. Yeah, I can get you some Gucci slides. How about you get a real job? How, how about you get a real brain, okay? How about like Gucci slides, you're 11 years old, really, right? Here's my point. Kids are kids, it's funny, I'm just, I'm just messing around. But, but seriously, there's no power in that list, right? <laughs> kids can fill out a Christmas list all day long. If there's not a loved one with the power, the means, the resources to provide, the list means nothing, right? Now think about prayer. I'm telling you, there is no power in prayer unless there's power in a God to hear and to answer. That's where the power is. And so I want, you, I want you to understand here, as Jesus is exhorting us then to go to God as our Father with his holiness and his majesty and his kingdom to come, then Jesus models for us. He's saying, then you ask him for what you need. You ask him to forgive your sin. You ask him for power not to yield against temptation. And Jesus, in essence, is saying you can go to your father in prayer and find power in prayer because there's power in your father. There's power to provide for your needs. There is power to forgive your sins. There is power to protect you from temptation. Prayer is powerful because God is powerful. And that's why we pray. <laughs> so there is power in genuine, meaningful, godly prayer as we go to the one true and living God on his terms, through his son, through the power of his spirit. And Jesus says, when you go with those conditions, you ask him for what you need and he will provide. Now, there is power in prayer because there's power in our God. And our God has always been inclined to answer the prayers of his people. Isaiah 65, 24, I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. 1 John 5, I love this. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know that he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Asking, of course, for his will and that which pleases him. Psalm 145, the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and he rescues them. Listen to me. There is power in our asking only because there is power in God's answering. And so we ask and we pray and we seek and we converse because we have a God who hears, a God who answers, and a God who has every resource at his disposal to provide for every single thing we need. There is power in prayer because there is power in our God. And then finally, let me get to the parable. Some of you are like, I thought this was a series on the parables. It is. <laughs> Listen to me. And then God answers, in particular, the persistent prayers 
of his people. This is a part of the how. Jesus wants us to understand that prayer. Listen, you can't, you can't talk about this parable without talking about the importance of a big view of God, both to hear as our father and to answer as a sovereign maker of heaven and earth. But then Jesus says, there's one more kind of how in terms of our praying. And to do that, he tells a parable. Here we go, check this out. Back to Luke 11. And he says, teaching them more about prayer in verse five. Look at this, he says, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, this is what Jesus is saying. You wanna know about how to pray? Teach us how to pray. Jesus gives us a principle and a practical, okay? Here's the practical. Jesus says, I'll tell you this. If you keep on asking, you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Then he says this, I love this. This is his conclusion. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, which I don't know why a child would ask for an egg. A MacBook Pro seems like a lot better. Okay, but if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. And so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? A big view of God eliminates a small view of prayer. There's power in prayer because there's power in God. And therefore we must see today that God will answer us as we persistently pray and seek his face. And the posture of Jesus here is a posture of encouragement, a posture of grace and kindness. Listen, Jesus helps us to understand. Here's what he's doing in this parable. He's providing a contrast. He's moving from the lesser to the greater. There's been a lot of misunderstanding actually about this parable. And so I want you to understand all Jesus is doing is moving from the lesser to the greater. You see, when you look at verse eight, you find there what is one word in the original language. It's actually the only time that this word appears in the entire New Testament. It's a very unique word. If you look through ancient classical Greek literature, if you look at how this uh, word is used in, in, in um, ancient Near Eastern text, what you will find is that this word all always has a negative connotation. It's translated shamelessness. And Jesus says that there's a man hosting a friend into town and he, and he runs out of bread and he goes to his neighbor and he's knocking on the door and it's late and he's, he's knocking and he's knocking and the guy initially doesn't answer. So he keeps knocking because he knows he's home. And, 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 and so the guy finally calls out, hey man, we're all asleep. I got my family here, dude, go away. And the guy's like, no, 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 I gotta have these things tonight. I got a friend in town and I'm hosting him. I'm embarrassed. I don't have what I need. And, and he's, he keeps knocking. And Jesus says that the request is ultimately granted through this shameless persistence, literally this shamelessness. And some have said because of the negative connotation of this word that maybe it refers to the man in the house that he's ashamed not to answer because of, of the community and the hospitality in the community. That's not, no, 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 no. The word's replying to the man knocking at the door and he's, 
he's, he's shameless. He's like, he doesn't care that it's midnight. He doesn't care that people might hear. He doesn't care he's getting somebody out of bed. He's, 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 he's persistently asking because he's got a need and he's gonna stand there and ask until he gets an answer. And some have said, well, no, but if you apply that to God, I mean, God's not one who begrudgingly answers his children. That's not the point of Jesus. The point of Jesus, what we see at the end, remember I told you, we're looking at parables. What happens at the end is what communicates the meaning. Listen, the point of Jesus is not to strain out that one word. The point of Jesus is to say, if on a human level, we will answer people even begrudgingly who are persistent, how much more will your heavenly father answer you whom he loves and whom he embraces as his own? It's a contrast. He's saying, if we sinful people will provide for our children, if we sinful people will be persistent when there's a need, then how much more will your heavenly father who would never begrudge your asking answer you as you persistently call out to him? It's a beautiful contrast moving from the lesser to the greater Jesus making it known. That's your father who will powerfully answer, will do so as you persistently pray. All of this is meant to be an encouragement, an open door to communicate. And you know why we need this? Because we are an impulsive people and we live in a right now society And there are times we go through really difficult circumstances and we wonder if God hears. And we wonder if God will answer. Maybe it's something related to your health. Maybe it's something related to a child. Maybe it's something related to a spouse, a family member, the need for a job, a financial crisis. There's a need and and you just wonder at times, I don't know. And it's easy. Listen, I'm as guilty of this as anyone. It's easy to rely on your own strength, your own wisdom. And there's a balance here. It doesn't mean that we don't work and apply ourselves. But it's, but at the end of the day, it's just what Jesus is teaching us is we often want to carry the burden for things that don't truly belong to us. Now, there are things that only God can control And hear Jesus saying, go to your father. If an annoying guy in the middle of the night gets an answer, (laughs) how much more will you as you persistently run to your father? Jesus is saying, be encouraged. Listen, this week, the Lord is gonna hear from thousands of us that may prompt him to say, oh man, all these people from Tampa again asking for another championship. (laughs) I mean, I mean, is two not enough in the past year? I mean, another Stanley Cup? Yes, Lord, another Stanley Cup. (laughs) Because two is better than one, I'm just saying, right? And so so here's what Jesus is saying. Your father, this is so cool. He doesn't tire of hearing from you. (laughs) You're never gonna wear him out. 
Like Jesus' whole disposition here is one of love and concern, one of grace and mercy. Go to him. If an annoying human sinner in the middle of the night gets an answer, how much more will you from a father who loves you, a father who hears you, a father who has the power to answer you, and a father who has promised to care for you. Go to him. Whatever the need, whatever the concern, whatever the blessing, whatever the, the, the word of praise, go and be reminded that your father works miracles through those who pray persistently. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't give in. Don't rely on yourself. Go to your father who will answer in his time, in his power, for his purpose and his glory. Let me give you one more word of scripture here and then, and then I'll wrap up. It's Romans 12, 12. Man, what a great word here. This is the apostle Paul who knew something about trials and difficulties. He said, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in times of trouble and keep on praying. Keep on. Your father loves you, he hears you, he will answer you. Keep on.